This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Kreuzer, hello. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. No Mullen, no McLean. No problem for Phil Parkinson as his side picked up another win at the weekend as the final episode of Welcome to Wrexham celebrated our National League triumph. It looks like Wrexham might have the promotion material again, but be warned, it will cost you £156. On today's episode, we'll look back at the Gillingham win, preview our weekend trip to Accrington and debate the club's controversial clothing line. We have also got a very special, should we say guest, Nath? I mean, we've got a very special treat for you all listening in. Um, a, a world exclusive, can we call oh, it? Well, we can call it something. We can call it an exclusive. A world exclusive? I guess so. What, universe exclusive? Uh, yeah, yeah the it universe. It's the only place in the universe where you'll get to hear this this nice exclusive. The only place in the Milky exactly. Way that exactly. you'll be able to hear this. Um, but yeah, I'm Rich Faye. I'm joined this week by uh, Mr. Nathan Salt. How are you doing? I mean, like we said, I think we we're not maybe slightly pessimistic on last week's podcast because maybe heading into the Gillingham game, I would have been okay if we hadn't have won. I'm bloody happy we did though. Yeah, and you know, one of those slow starts, slow starts, slow starts, and then we get the fastest of all starts. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of many quicker goals that Wrexham have scored at the race course than that one. It was funny that, if anything, the final episode of Welcome to Wrexham this week was about a quick goal, this time for Boreham Wood. Um, but no, the Gillingham game, Ollie Palmer, quick off the mark. And I was curious to see what Dolby and Palmer look like as a pair. Um, and I, I think they looked okay. I know they're not a, they're not Paul Mullen, obviously, but they did well. And Gillingham, I thought, were poor by their standards. And listening to one of their spaces, one of their fan podcast spaces after the game, you know, they were questioning the effort level, the application. Really, really, they were really disappointed, really poor. Um but Gorgeous George, as you, you nicknamed him a few podcasts ago, was brilliant, I thought. It's a Manchester Reds nickname for him. I'm not going to take credit go. for that. I don't know who coined it, but Gorgeous George is his his new name. Um, I'd also say, now, to just interject quickly, that you then have to credit Wrexham for making Gillingham look so poor. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And and it was it was what a lot of fans, I think, have been crying out for, just a routine win, no fuss, no drama, really. You know, just a, a nice win, a clean sheet. 
and and on you go. Okonkwo didn't have to do a lot, but what he did have to do, he did well. And you need results like that that aren't too memorable come the end of the season. But if Wrexham finish inside the top three, they're the kind of games that pile on top of each other. And you know, after the Morecambe game, I'm going to put a graphic out on probably on Instagram and maybe on Twitter as well of Wrexham's home form since the 27th of November 2021 in all competitions. I mean, it's staggering, Rich. It really, it really is. It's unbelievable across all competitions. You know, you, you're actually struggling to remember um, the defeats and the draws. There's been that many wins. So, yeah, Gillingham, happy. I was a happy man. Uh, like you said there, uh, to do it as well with a couple of changes to the team because although this Wrexham team is very talented and there are, there are goals all over the pitch, obviously Elliot Lee, the, the primary source of them this season, without Mullin, we often ask questions about the firepower. And we ask questions particularly now with Stephen Fletcher sidelined as well. But Dolby has been, you know, a revelation in the last few weeks. He's really answered his critics well. He's been so good with his feet. You know, his finishing has been brilliant. His hold-up play has been great. So, so has his dribbling. Ollie Palmer has been, you know, revitalised the season in general anyway. And yeah, he he looked, he looked ace as well. And you just look at that team that, that played at the weekend. I know we sound like a broken record, but the <laughs> squad depth, mate, it is just ridiculous. It is ridiculous that you can get that sort of routine win at a time when you've got arguably your two, I maybe take two of your three best players, maybe in McLean and Mullen, sort of technical ability anyway. You probably put Lee in there as, as the other one, as recommend three best sort of technically gifted players. To have two of those missing and still produce that performance is is brilliant. And again, if you look at the fullbacks, the fact that, you know, we played a lot of the season without Mendy and Ford available at all. They both come in, do a job, no nonsense. Mendy's cross, you know, particularly for the second goal is exceptional. And I'm so delighted for, for Ben Tozer as well, because he's had a lot of stick, lots of questions over his future at the club. He is still very important to this Wrexham side, even if he maybe his powers are on the decline a little bit, which is understandable. But that finish, man, that is... It's just a a ridiculous finish in terms of like, I I watched it back a few times and I was trying to make sense of it. A, why was he there? B, the actual build-up between Gorgeous George and Mendy is just, they were just playing a game of two-touch, basically, just passing it back to each other. And there was a couple of groans in the background thinking, what are are you going to do with this? What are we doing with this? And then patience is a virtue, you know. And uh, Mendy whips the ball in. Do you want to know my pet hate? I mean, you can tell maybe the generation of a Wrexham fan to how they respond to ticky-tacker football because some of them are just saying, well, it's Wrexham, we don't play that well, um, just hoof it long. The word I hate is when people just ask for urgency in midfield. The last thing you want from a player is urgency. That, that goes against everything. That means they're panicked, means they're not composed, they've got no no idea. Urgency, the last thing you want from a football. What's your feelings on the words intensity then? You like that word, or is that is that on the ban list? It's another buzzword, isn't it? I mean, what does what does it mean? <laughs> I mean, it means because I was also told this when I when I started doing journalism. They said one of my first editors said his biggest pet hate was using the word that was a quality finish because a qualitative doesn't mean if it's good or bad. It could be poor quality. Every finish is quality. It's either poor quality or high quality. And I think intensity is one of those. Intensity is either high or low. Or it could be in the middle. So it doesn't necessarily mean. Are we just turning yeah. this into an, a breakdown of the English language podcast? Yeah, let's bring. I mean, we. I think we we make enough blunders on every episode, true. don't we? This, we're not going to be critique. What, Rich, what but, I did uh, want to say though, before we got sidetracked on the evolution of language, is 
I, part of me is this controversial if I say that I think Mendy and Ford should be the first choice fullbacks. They just offer you perfect balance. Mendy, I think, is brilliant. Ford, I think, offers you plenty going forward. And Barnett is a better player going forward than Anthony Ford is. But all round, I think Anthony Ford at this stage in his career just more, much more accomplished than Barnett. And and that's no slight, I don't think, on on, on Ryan Barnett. I think he offers you such great balance um, forward and back. Mendy, we know, is not going to be at Accrington this weekend. He is playing. Hopefully, he'll be involved against Burundi on Thursday. So the day you listen to this or the day this comes out, uh, Gambia are playing Burundi. And then I think they play Ivory Coast on Monday. So hopefully for Mendy and for his development, he gets some minutes and some involvement in those two games. Um, But I, I think he's just better suited to that role. Seeing McLean in that more advanced striker role against Port Vale, I know it was... A much changed Port Vale, Rich, and and it was hard to glean too much from it late in the game against tiring legs. But I do wonder if the the way to get the best out of McLean is in a more forward role because dropping Mendy doesn't seem super sensible in my mind. No, I, I guess it's it's twofold for me in the fact that once again it comes down to what you actually want from your fullbacks in that game. Is it a match where you want to attack? If you do, then you've got a pair there in McLean and Barnett who will just run at defenders and cause problems. But defensively, they're both susceptible and probably be targeted. So, like I said, I think you've got to pick and choose them based on your position once again. In terms of McLean, we both said this, haven't we? That I would we'd love to see him as a winger almost or as a midfielder with Mendy behind him. But fundamentally, I just can't see that happening with the the style of football we ever play. It's it's an interesting one going forward. I, I, I'm. I agree with you in the sense that I think Ford and Mendy are the more consistent fullbacks or wingbacks, and you're you're you know you're probably going to get a six or seven out of ten from them most weeks. Whereas Barnett and McLean can drop to four or fives out of ten, but are more likely to give you an eight or nine out of ten performance at times. You know, I think that they're a bit more. I'm trying to think of the word, you know, that not not they blow hot and cold, and they're a bit more unpredictable in their output. But I do just think that. For the type of football we play, you are still asking a lot from your wing-backs to do the defensive work, which is where Ford and Mendy certainly have the advantage in, in that degree. Both of them a bit more limited when it gets to the final third, but you've got enough attacking power of maybe Liam Muller on the pitch anyway that you, you don't quite need it. So, yeah, I agree with you. I just think it all comes down to your, to your opponents, really. And I think, if it, like you said, if you need to get balls into the box and need more of an attacking threat, that's when you get Barnett on, that's when you get McLean on. But from the start, Mendy and Ford are probably the safer. Rich, in it? a way, it's the perfect headache for Phil Parkinson because you've got four elite players that can play in that position. You know what I mean? In terms, elite. I don't care if you're going to keep unpicking every word they say. They're all elite in the sense of you. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. you can't really go wrong. Whichever, if you want to go McLean and um, Ford, if you want to go Barnett and Mendy, Mendy and Ford, Barnett and McLean. You honestly, I think you've got so many options there and. Look, in the cup competition, when you want to give all of those guys a rest, you can just play Bryce, who probably is hard done by and something maybe he should come back in um, to the fold in January. And we'll see if, if that happens. I'm not so sure it will, but it might do. And so Parkinson's got great... We've got great depth. We talk about depth, but more so in in those wide areas. When injuries permitting, I think when everyone's healthy... We're, we're really, really well stocked. And it means that, all right, you can give Mendy or McLean 20 the last 20 in his tiring legs and they've got rapid pace. And probably it's only Ford who is the one who 
maybe doesn't have that blistering pace that say a Mendy and a and a, and a Barnet do. And McLean has still got that burst, I think. So yeah, it was chuffed for Mendy, great cross for Toza's goal. Ford, I was really chuffed chuffed for, and, and I mean his stock has gone through the roof in terms of people knowing who he is, his story beautifully told on Welcome to Wrexham. And I think there's a lot of people rooting for him now they know it, everything that's gone on. So yeah, big contributions from both of those. Like I said, there'll be no Mendy this weekend. McLean, I believe, will be there. He's not joining up with the Republic of Ireland until a couple of days later when he plays his final match for the international team. Uh, and forward back fit, you know, is a massive boost. You said you didn't want to throw him in. He's come back in now and he's, you know, fit and firing. Yeah, it's yeah, good management again. Like you said, it's a fantastic headache to have. And you know, this is a Wrexham team that also brought on Jordan Davis and Jordan Tunnicliffe from the bench as well. So again, flexing that muscle that very few teams can match in in, in this league and across a full campaign, that is going to be the difference. I think you know Wrexham just have that ability to change their squad, but not change the exact way they play football and not even really experience a a clear drop in quality. It's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see to see how it all unfolds. And like you said, again, it's really interesting dilemma to have for, for Parkey. Gillingham now 10th. Wrexham, of course, second oh, in the boy. table. Mansfield have a game in hand, so could jump above us. But, you know, you're starting to look at that table now, and we have played the majority of teams in the top half as well, if not all of them, actually. Stockport, obviously. Mansfield twice. Crew we've played in the uh, in the in the Bristol in Street the... Motors. That's the one. That's what you call it these days. Yeah, Notts County played Barrow. Got Morecambe coming up. They're seventh at the moment. Atkinson, of course, this weekend at eighth. We've played Wimbledon, played Gillingham, played Crawley, and played Swindon. So you know, there's only what two more of the top half to play at all this season that we've not faced so far. And then there will be a lot of games coming up where we're against bottom half teams. So. We, we we really have made a good habit under Phil Parkinson of s- sort of swatting away the teams that are below us in the table and just making them look like routine wins. And that's your bread and butter, isn't it, Nath? And if we can get through what looks like a testing couple of weeks ahead, because you've got Ackerton and Morgan both coming up who are sort of playoff chasing teams, then the Christmas period, you are going to be playing quite a lot of teams who are who are beatable without trying to be too cocky. Yeah, look, you've got, a, you know, in the run up to Christmas now, you've got a lot to play for. You've got a shot at the FA Cup third round, you know, and with respect to Yeovil, it's a great opportunity at home against lower opposition. You've got a great chance to cement yourself really going into 2024 with a top three spot in the league. You know, that if, if we'd have been offered third place at the beginning, we'd have snapped your hand off for that, wouldn't we? In terms of, well, I'd snap your hand off for that right now, third place at the end of the season. So, yeah, being in that top half, in lead to going into the new year would be brilliant. And you've also got, and I know people don't care about it too much, but you've also got Bristol Street Motors. Again, a chance for some of the fringe guys to put on a cut run, put themselves in the shop window, if nothing else. So there's a lot to play for across a lot of fronts, Rich. And I think, I do believe we've got the squad to do it. You know, obviously, of course, the you know the rose-tinted spectacles, I would say that. But we've got a lot of players there who need to play and who deserve to play. I'm not going to turn this into a... Luke Young podcast, but people like Luke Jordan, others, you know, there are others that that would get into lots of other teams in League Two, in my opinion, into their starting eleven every single week, and we get to call on them as maybe cup cup players or fringe players for the last fifteen. I, honestly, the riches we've got in terms of the squad and the players we've got, I think, is unbelievable. And yes, it's going to be tough. Look, over Christmas we've got was it Swindon away. 
Um, I saw their fans were getting very agitated that they were offering some hospitality packages. I don't know if you saw this, Rich, but the Swindon Supporters Trust demanded an urgent meeting with the club to see if the hospitality packages they were offering would fall into the hands, would slip into the hands of Wrexham fans, um, to which they were assured they would not. So, um, No, I've been too busy trying to calm down from hoodie Right, right. We'll get on to that. Yeah, you... you, You've got to stay off Twitter for a bit after Hoodiegate, I think. Um, uh, but no, I'm 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 very happy, and I think we did our preseason predictions, Rich. Some of those have gone horrendous, aka Crawley, and we'll we'll get to that at the, maybe the midway point in the season. But we were so high on Wrexham going in, and I'm still as high. I've not changed my mind. I'm still really excited about where we are, and I think we'll make an additional two in January. This is going to be a good season, Rich. I think that we're we started well. We started slowly. We we're getting better and now we're really going through the gears yeah like i said a lot can happen a lot can change but i'm feeling very positive this time around Right then, Rich, the end of another season. Welcome to Wrexham Season 2, over and out. The the clicker, what do they call that? The clacker? I don't know what it is when they uh, when directors and runners have those things. But that has been hit, the board for the final time. Season 2, Welcome to Wrexham is over. Up the town, question mark, was the finale. We wait so long for it, Rich, and we live through the team. You know, vicariously, we go to every game or we go to all, as many games as we can. We watch these players week in week out we watch the results and yet there's just something about watching it back in in a more cinematic style and it was I mean it was a fitting end we knew what the ending was going to be I'm very envious of the people who got to live it for the first time that way um from a million miles away it was brilliant it is brilliant it's coming back for season three that was a big announcement this week there will be season three of Welcome to Wrexham out in spring 2024 firstly what did you make of it mate as a as a See a second season. I thought it's brilliant again. I mean, obviously, we're going to be a bit biased as, as Wrexham supporters ourselves, and we will digest and divulge anything that has Wrexham in the headline, really, and, and give it a chance. But I think we were quite critical of it when it came out as, as season two, and we said, you know, that the pacing was a bit weird. Some of the episodes didn't really flow that properly. But, you know, once the football sort of took centre stage again, as as good as it is at telling these human stories and it's got so much more to it than just being a football docuseries, I do think that the actual, the football itself is the is the flowing narrative and then you've got all these other branches that come off it and they're brilliant. You look at sort of the Yeovil game and stuff that, which pieced together the Anthony Ford sort of storyline earlier in, in the series. You look at the finale where you go back to season one and you, you're told about Jordan Davis's sort of difficult situations he's had at home and then it sort of has this it, football writes itself doesn't it to a degree and it's I mean what is so beautiful about sport is it is so unpredictable and unbelievable at times that you almost just need to let the football do the talking itself and then you add little extra bits to the side of it and I think that by the end that is what Welcome to Wrexham was doing the last sort of few weeks of episodes were were phenomenal you know they were gut-wrenching they were heartwarming they told you personal tales they just gave you so much more than just sport but ultimately as well the sport was a driving factor and was brilliant as well so yeah I loved it and I think lots of people who don't 
maybe even care for football, particularly don't even necessarily care for Wrexham, will have enjoyed it for for what it is. And you know, you look at that finale episode for us. It's you will watch that forever because I could, I literally could not envisage Wrexham getting promoted again to the football league. I just, I couldn't picture it in my head. I didn't know what those scenes looked like because the last time Wrexham had been promoted, I was, I wasn't even ten years old, and you know, I, I wasn't going to football regularly because that just wasn't on my radar. And now, it's not only happening but it's being documented so well and it's this perfect time capsule that will outlive all of us and it's just so good to see and you can't you can't put into words until you've been unless you've been to Wrexham on a match day what a experience it is you know we've said it's like a spiritual experience it is a whole culture now watching Wrexham we've likened it to sort of Wales matches in the past where they've re- reimagined really and redefined what the identity is around the national team and now North Wales, Wales in general, is all so much better off for this documentary. And once again, you you go back to when it was first announced and there were real concerns. Two comedy actors doing a documentary about Wrexham. There's going to be loads of cheap, cheap gags, loads of cheap laughs at the expense of Wrexham. But instead, they've got our corner and they're putting us on the map. And we're here to stay. We are here yeah, to stay. It, it, there was a moment when the episode opens and I think the song's called Chasing Down Gold. Now, forgive me, I don't know who the singer of that is. I should have should have checked and I in my show notes, but it, it was a beautiful piece of music just overlaid with fans walking to the ground that day, Rich. You know, that sense of anticipation. You and I were, I think it was in, the, were we both in the Mice Gwyn before? The outside, the sea of red and some flares going off already outside and just that anticipation. One win and you've won it. And and that was that was what was in the air. It was a sense of, is this going to be our coronation day? Will we get the celebrations or will it go down to Torquay? And in the end, we got to celebrate down at Torquay. And Torquay doesn't even make the documentary, which I'm not surprised in the slightest. But the, yeah, the music chasing down gold and, and you see the fans walking up and Manny on the drum and, and the kind of the, the march to the ground beforehand. And you, you see one older guy who... He's choked up and he's like holding back tears of this is what it means. You you really won't quite grasp what it means unless you've just lived through it. And I get that we've all lived through different experiences, whether that's one, two years, six months, 15 years or 50. You know, the old guy named Arthur, who was 99 years old, I think. And they showed him at the back of the stand and what it meant to him to finally see his, his boyhood team get back up. And it was just littered with moments. I thought the final episode of really sort of small moments in the grand scheme of things but really just beautiful moments that I thought summed up for me what why I take so much pride in in Wrexham I mean seeing Wayne decide to watch the game in the turf rather than in the ground with his family rather than in the ground with with everyone else to be with his family in the turf and to be with his wife and when Mullen scores the the third goal for us his second goal you see him just turn to his wife Shelley and give her a massive hug and it's just kind of like everyone's celebrating around them just them two and you think you know what that's a really nice moment you know that is a you've put a lot into that every every match day and you know we don't need to get into all the kind of um troubles that they've had recently and someone someone breaking into their marquee and a fire and still working to get it open for the Gillingham game and you know a real institution in the community and then you see the bus parade at the very, very end. And Jordan Davis wasn't on that bus parade because that was the due date of Kelsey and baby Harlow. And you see Phil Parkinson pointing out to the camera um, 
to the cameraman, uh, that's Jordan Davis on the route, and you see him smile like we've not seen Parky smile many times. He's very stoic, isn't he, as a guy, and I think he's brilliant for us, and we, we gave him his flowers last week on the episode and played out that speech from the awards dinner. He, he was smiling like a bloke who was looking at his son, and I, that sounds cliche, maybe corny, but genuinely, I watched that, and I put a tweet out saying, what were your favourite moments? And a few people came back with that because it was a smile you don't see very often from Phil Parkinson and it was one to say. And again, that is one of those moments. For me, I think the two best moments, like I said, are that and Ryan's speech after Sheffield United, which aren't rehearsed. There's nothing set up about them. It is just spontaneity and raw emotion in both of them. And that's what you get. These might be sort of Hollywood stars and there might be a lot of... You can tell sometimes watching the documentary, we've talked about the ad placements. There's a lot of it that's sort of set up. And some of the, you know, me just be, because it's who I am, I get pedantic when I see the wrong highlights being shown just for the narrative or a voiceover that was obviously done post-production because that makes it flow better. I, I get those from a, a documentary making point of view, but they, they always irk me because I'm a, I just, I You're like, pedantic. You know, that's just who I am. Because I'm pedantic. Yeah, that's true. I've been called worse. Um, but then you also get, uh, you know, for me, the best moments are those just raw moments that aren't scripted. They're not set up. They just happen. And that is just what's so beautiful about it. Like we said, Welcome to Wrexham would be an incredible TV series, even if we kind of hadn't gone up. But the sport and the way that it happened and the tale, the Notts County game, for example, you look at the cup run, that, that the documentary team had no input on any of that. Because it just happened, and that is what's so brilliant about it. But it's also brilliantly told and put over. And I think it says a lot as well that Welcome to Wrexham isn't just loved by us, but the fact it has cracked North America and it has been so well received, and it's been so well received by lots of rival fans who have given it a chance. I know lots of people would be, it's Wrexham, F off, we ain't going to watch that. But the fact that it's been so well received proves that they've done so much right about it because even though it's Robin Ryan, like we said, there was so much room for it to be really cheesy, for no one to really care, and for it to not come across on those human interest stories and for it not to be hard-hitting. It could have just been a comedy spoof series that no one really cares about, but it's just really moving and just... Rich, I want you to think... I'm going to give you some thinking time because I'm going to read out what some have sent us, but think of some of the highlights from season two, maybe two or three. We both agree that, for me, I tweeted out that Ryan's speech after Sheffield United was my favourite moment of season two. I thought that was exactly word perfect what any fan would have said if they'd have had this, the same opportunity. So you have a thing of a couple of moments that you really liked. I put a call out, said it's the end of season two. What were your highlights? Um, one person just put, cannot pick just one, so many. But John, uh, who is based over in America, he put the Hand of Foz was extra special episode for me because in the fall of 2020, my friend and I looked at a tab- at the table and circled that match against Notts County. We decided to fly to the UK for Halifax away, not so good, and Notts at home. And that episode captured our memories perfectly, which I think was great. Um, Current Joy put storytelling of people at their most vulnerable without making it uncomfortable is one of the best parts of Welcome to Wrexham. Albion M- Millie's connection remembering the Gresford disaster, Rosie, Mia and Lily's story in the women's episode, Anthony Ford and his wife's story, and then Ollie and his father as well. You know, littered with so many of those ones, Rich. Um, 
there's another one that says in the goalkeeping episode, Chomp, Mark Howard, and we should say congratulations to Mark Howard celebrating his graduation today from Staffordshire University, first class honours, which is no mean feat. Uh, Mox put in the goalkeeping episode, Chomp was smiling, talking about welcoming Foz in to get over in to get Wrexham over the line, team first, etc. And he said all the right things. The camera lingers for a moment and you see disappointment and hurt on his face. Blink and you'll miss it. But it was such a human moment and it only made me love him even more. A couple more. Jamie's put, although not seen the last one yet, the highlight for me was that Hand of Foz episode. It perfectly captured the tension, emotion and jubilation of that amazing day, closely followed by Rob saying we were living rent-free in Billy Sharp's head. Let me give you one more than uh, Mulberry Red has agreed with us, Rich Parkey seen Jordan and his newborn on the parade route, Ryan's speech, all the players now and former being vulnerable and telling their stories. Millie's episode, it was amazing, really. Um, so what have you got for us then in terms of your favourite moments? Because there have been lots of moments. And like you say, before you go, I think we were a bit critical of it at the beginning. It was, I think, a bit of a slow start to the season. But boy, once it really kicked into gear in the FA Cup, it was just up and up and up. Yeah, I'd also just sort of go on record again and just say it's also the light they've shown on the women's team and the women's side of, of the documentary as well was was really well done and exceptionally told. And like we said, it's it, it would have been very easy just to say, look, we want to make the women's team good. And that's it. You don't follow through with it. But they've given them a real platform and a real worldwide stage. They've given them, again, like you said, maybe not equal billing as such in the documentary episode sort of layout, but obviously they, they've had dedicated episodes and we've got to finally see the work they're doing, which we didn't get to see in series one. So I think that's that's one highlight. I I did love the Always Sunny visit and the Anthony Ford, you know, goal. And I also love the... You talk about, do Robin Ryan get it? And you talk about how they learn on a job and they, they always talk about squeaky bum time and little... Uh, words like that but it's also the fact that they are already well aware that when you go to the toilet during a football game a goal will happen something will happen there will be an event that is just the nature and we all have our own little quirks and superstitions when we watch Wrexham don't we and you know you, you always do little different things and that is that is one of them I've, I've always done that I I mean I'm almost the opposite whereas and I think this is probably still true to this day. I don't think I've ever, at a Wrexham game that I've been to, sort of gone to the concourse when the game's been on. I don't think I've ever not been in my seat for like 100% of the match. N- yeah, Do you no. Know what I, mean? I don't think I've, I've, ne- I've never gone to the toilet during play. I've never gone to the bar during play. And I've never left a game, a Wrexham game early. That, that, that is just so me. I, 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 I just have, have left- to digest I have left the game early once um, for my sins. It was away at Yeovil of all places. You might remember it was when Rob Lainton just dropped the ball and Courtney Dufus, I think it was, just booted it in. And by the end, I felt the lads had stopped running. So I went outside. And the worst part was, I'll tell you what, the worst part of that was, is that my taxi driver that I'd pre-booked with was the Yeovil season ticket holder, so he didn't even come out till it was over anyway. So I should have just, uh, so I should have just waited. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was telling us all about it. But, but yeah, I mean, we, we've we've gone off, yeah. off tangent here about welcome to Wrexham, but that, that's what I'm talking about. It's just, it's the way that they've actually, for me, like that is the highlight. For me, the highlight is the fact that they've given it the proper treatment and they haven't treated it as a comedy football series. Yeah, because I think for 
you know, for me, the strands, the actual personal story tales are so moving and you you get to realise that these aren't just robots. These are these are actual human beings at every level of the club, including Robin Ryan. They might be superstars, but they are just What I wanted guys. to say was that I think in its very inception, Welcome to Wrexham, it was, you know, from the off, as in the Zoom call they had with the Supporters Trust, that was filmed. You know, that was, the documentary was from the off, that was going to be part of it. Robert watched Sunday Until I Die, was very moved by that. Wrexham was always going to have a documentary as long as they took over. And yet it spawned into so many things in terms of helping the food bank. You know, it's not just, they haven't just come in just on a documentary, got us some nice players, got us up for the benefit of the documentary and then gone. They're doing the, was it Ryan Rodney Reynolds Park, Memorial Park? They've done the food bank. They've What else have they done? They've done, I'm trying to think of all the charitable things. This week they paid, Three and a half thousand to Wrexham Trainer Revival, who'd been ransacked and had loads of stuff nicked, and that was the the entire target. I know Stephen Tapp, who who owns that, was over the moon, forever in their debt. Basically, you're saying um, what they've done for Millie and raising awareness of autism, all you know, Ryan wearing Ollie Palmer's clothing range, giving him a viable business, life after football. You know, you shouldn't overlook that. We're even wearing Jacob Mendy's clothes, his encore clothing. All these things they do that are just little things, but they all add up into they just are part of Wrexham. So welcome to Wrexham now includes those two. You know what I mean? It's not like they've just they come in as day trippers. They are part of the fabric of the area now because you can just feel they've permeated various areas, got the freedom of the place. They're redeveloping a park. They're rebuilding the stadium that we didn't have the funds to do so before. Delivered promotion. They've got the urinal. Got the urinal that, God, I wish that if if they bring back stadium tours, I mean, it's my it's my yeah it's my life dream to use that urinal. I mean, I've probably used it before it was renovated because we used to do our match poetry okay, well, up there. And obviously, it was Don Vos' day right. this week, which you know. So that was where I probably would maybe on Don Vos' day I would have used that urinal, which is a, a touching <laughs> thought. But yeah, I need to. Uh, Need to use that before before I leave this. this yeah, reserve. so like, I hope that if they do bring back tours, that people can get to go into that aviation gin suite if they bring back stadium tours, because it does seem to be only for the for the owners and the chairman now. And I know it features quite regularly in the doc. So yeah, welcome to Wrexham. I thought in the end, a couple of highlights from me then extras. Um, seeing Lily talk about her dad was very emotional when she looked at the crowd of where he used to sit. I thought that was um, really quite a touching moment. Um, yeah, the always sunny lot, seeing Charlie Day. I know that was already out there, but seeing Charlie Day race the players, Ollie Palmer and co, I thought that was brilliant. And him getting upset, just realising what it meant to Rob was, you know, proper friendship there. And and yeah, we'll, I'll go back to it. Just the FA Cup run, the Coventry, the Zoom call after Coventry, when Rob and Ryan are at home and you've got Sean and Humphrey on the concourse in Coventry. And I think back to to watching that alongside you and just the, the the emotion of that day, the emotion of that cup run. And that's why I'm really desperate to do it again. And you also, what I love about that cup run as well is almost being cynical. You can, Robin Ryan didn't go to that game. They've obviously got other commitments to leave very busy lifestyles. But after, after watching that, Ryan was like, right, I need to be there for Sheffield United at home. There is not a chance I'm missing this just in case I miss more scenes like that. And like you say, that then spawns the chat after the game. But yeah, roll on season three. And I suppose the news on season three as well, Nath, is that the episodes are due to be released as early as next spring, the first batch of them at least, and that you know the end of the season stuff could be released as early as next summer as well. So for those of you who, obviously anyone who's watching it, but maybe some of you who might not be up to date with the scores anyway, 
you won't have to wait as long. And I guess that's just a much more sensible way. It's a huge effort and a huge, it takes a lot of, of work to be able to get episodes out that quickly, not only to have them edited, but to be able to tell a, a story. And obviously you don't have the season ends. So some narratives might not be as obvious to to sort of push through the whole series. But yeah, you don't have to wait that long for Welcome to Wrexham part three, season three. And then I suppose the question, Nath, how many more years? How well, look, I, I think they've probably seen the goals flying in five here, six here. 10 in that one of the five all and they probably thought well we've got enough footage to to go again already we can probably just release season three already um i think it is a step in the right direction because you want because i don't know let's just say pe- people have watched welcome to Wrexham season two and i know lots of people who don't follow football have watched it and absolutely love it um that they've missed the first what is it 18 games of the season or 17 games of the season and so they're already playing catch up i think if you can get it out before a new season starts rich You've got total buy-in then in terms of merchandise, in terms of the tour, in terms of um, you know your iFollow passes and your audio passes and just a way to grow the club even further. For me, I think that's the hook, isn't it? That you could get people watching it again next spring and they'll be really invested. And then they Google Wrexham and they're like, oh, they play this weekend. How do I watch that? And it means you get this real-time sort of feedback and people can watch the show while simultaneously watching that same series, basically, because they're watching it as it happens. It's not like, you know, because you, you could watch season one of Welcome to Wrexham and one of your favourite characters might not be at the team anymore. Whereas by next, by by watching season three, it will still be very much that same product. They'll be wearing the same kit. It will still be the same season. And the story won't even be finished by the time they're, they're starting to watch season three, which is so exciting. So, yeah, interested to see how it materialises. Yeah, and look, get in touch with us, robbryanred at gmail.com, robbryanred across all the socials. Let us know your favourite moment. If we haven't managed to read yours, I'm really sorry um, so far, but do get in touch. I love reading them. We both love reading them. And get in touch on email, robbryanred at gmail.com. If you want to tell us how many seasons you think Welcome to Wrexham could run, and if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know in the comments below how many seasons do you think Wrexham will get um, of their documentary series. It's, who knows? I'm going to say plenty, Rich. I'm not even going to put a number on I'm going to say plenty of seasons yet to come. So, yeah, let us know. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Naif, as we joked about a bit earlier in the podcast, uh, social media, in a surprise, has been a bit of a cesspit for me this week. Uh, we, we, I think we both sort of went on record to 
query the cost of Wrexham's new premium clothing range from Macron, which, you know, I think before we get into the debate too much, you know, in isolation, it isn't it isn't the worst crime ever committed, is it? And, you know, Macron are charging a very high fee as a base sort of resale price for these products, even if they've not got the Wrexham crest on them. But in the wider scheme of things, something doesn't sit right with me. And I also think that just because something does, if just because the retail price is that, that doesn't justify it when you're trying to push this sort of working class narrative as, as a club. Obviously, it's not for everyone. You don't have to buy it. I'm not obliged to buy it or to ever wear it. But for me, I think it just points at a wider issue that during a cost of living crisis, the club over a range of different areas have been slightly increasing the prices. And you know, part of that will be due to the promotion to League Two and you're getting a much better product on the pitch. So when the season ticket prices and overall match prices went up at the start of the season, it was disappointing, but not a surprise because, you know, they'd already been undersold for a few years and, you know, Wrexham can sell them for that much. So why wouldn't you try to get a bit more money through the gates? But for me, just, I know we've got a list. Maybe do you want to go through the list now of other sort of price increases and little things that have kind of sat against us this season? We, you know, in our position as, as podcasters, if that is a phrase we use for ourselves, we do... We love the club. We absolutely love Wrexham. And I got some abuse this week saying, set up another Twitter account if you want to talk about Wrexham. Stop t- tweeting about Man United and Wrexham. Go buy a half and half scarf. It's like, well, no, my job's to report on Man United and I'm a Wrexham fan and I bloody love this club. And I love that we're doing well. And if the worst thing happened at my football club is a £156 hoodie, you know, I'm entitled and I, I haven't got a lot to complain about. But there is a lot of little things creeping in on the knife. And I think it is worth using this platform to to raise them because we all knew the club was going to change and we all know it will turn to more of a brand than a football club at some stage. And if you want to be America's club, as that ambition was, then, you know, you're going to have to appeal to the masses as well. And, you know, some people might get priced out eventually. But you've got the list there, haven't you, of other little well, look, I, 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 areas. Do you firstly, want to I just wanted to say I, I absolutely hate the phrase... Uh, some of the, I mean, some of the replies to you were ridiculous, frankly. Um, I also hate the phrase "price of success" because there's no one way to be successful. Um, you know, for example, Luton have made all this to the Premier League, haven't spent through the nose, and you know, haven't renovated their stadium and power to them. You know, they're they're, they're making as few changes possible to the model they've had. Bournemouth, you know, another who scaled the divisions without absolutely going crazy. And while I don't know the ins and outs of their situations. Yeah, just some of the replies to what you put were, were frankly outrageous. Um, but I have got the list of things that since the takeover, and Rich, we've caveated that in the previous segment about all the good things Rob and Ryan have done. So I'm also going to stress as well, because while I get to say something quickly, is that we just want the best for the club. We love the football club. We do this podcast because we love the club. We love the fan base. But yeah, not everyone is super happy with everything. And it's our, I feel a responsibility. I don't know about you, Rich. I feel a responsibility to at least open it up for a debate. And, and we're more than happy to take it. And uh, and um, all's fair in, in love and war, basically. But in the time since the takeover, these are the little incremental changes that we've seen. Uh, and let us know, by the way, if we've missed any. So obviously there was the thing around the Centenary Lounge, Rich started charging for a season to get to the Centenary Lounge. And now that's even closed off to the public. You know, that was a place where 
people would go before the game and that became a real hub of meeting point. Humphrey has since explained that there were too many people in there as in it was breaching safety protocol. I think a health and safety protocol. So then they started charging and now I think it's only available to players and uh, families and sponsors. It's, it's not available for public access. Um, membership fees go into this season doubled in price um, with membership benefits. I wouldn't say double the value. Um, but again, if you want to argue that membership fees are going to keep going up and up with every division, um, that's a whole debate there. Season ticket prices went up. Was it heading into last season, Rich? Uh, which I think was the first time in nine years. I think that's what they said the club at the time said to the criticism that's first time in nine years. Obviously, since we've come up, there's been a charge for commentary. I believe that's an EFL regulation. I think they've got to put it on kind of the iFollow platform. Um, then you've got some of the ones that were more contentious. I think those ones are explainable that I've just said there, that the club have got clear explanations for those ones. Um, then we get into the the hiking of the over 65 renewal price. I think it was £70 hike on what they were previously paying. And these people, a lot of them out of work, not sure where that money was coming from. Um, that got a lot of stick at the time. Um, moving season ticket holders out of the Mold Road um, for sponsors, which I don't believe there, there were many instances where those seats were empty um, or those sponsors weren't taking up their option. And that rightly annoyed Certain fans who had a prime spot on the halfway line moved into the corners of the Maud Road or they were put into the ale stand away from you know, family and friends who maybe weren't affected a couple of seats down. Um, Wrexham charged £24 for an away ticket, which is among one of the highest in the league. You know, Accrington this weekend, we're going, that's 25 We said on a recent podcast, 20 is plenty. That's not Wrexham's issue solely, I get that. Um, you've got the £85 for a kid's kit fiasco, which drew a lot of criticism at the time for children's kits and we saw in the documentary Sean Harvey telling Rob that it was what 20 pound a unit per kit Macron were charging them 20 pound a kit I think he said and then you've obviously got the whole thing about the premium range the 73 pound joggers the 153 pound hoodies that is a premium range and Rich they're not marketing it I don't think as a an affordable everyday wear for Wrexham fans um but there's quite a lot in there to unpack is it the three words I hate, Rich? Is it that three words, the price of success that I absolutely hate? Or are we just raising an issue for an issue's sake? Well, I think it's one of those where the club will probably just brand it under that umbrella as the price of success. Look, the product's better. Everything's a lot more professional now. You could say that the product was previously undercharged, genuine, undervalued. Look, we're not, we might be a local football team to you, but we're not a local business. We're not a charity organization. We need to make money. If you want the best players, you want, a staging renovation, you want a new stand, then suck it up. You've got to pay for it somehow. But we said before, there is a principle here where each of those things we've pointed out in isolation, suck it up. That is just the world we live in. That is how business works. Prices increase. There's a lot of demand. Why are you not cashing on demand? I get that. In isolation, each of those are okay and explainable. It's when you tie them all up and you look at it, you look at I know, you, again, people say we don't have to. What if you are, you, you've got a family of four from Wrexham. They all want to go to tickets to the game. They've either already got their season tickets, they're very lucky, or they go into this membership ballot anyway. So for the family to be able to go to a match, they'd have to have, what, four membership tickets, and then they'd go into this lottery to potentially get Wrexham tickets. And then the kids want the kit. Well, the kit's 
either not accessible, you can't actually buy it because there's not enough there, or if you do, it's costing you 85 quid a pop. And I know you might say, well, I know a few websites where you can get them delivered from China. It's a lot cheaper. Kids want the official stuff. It's kind of the rule for my ad growing up anyway. Again, maybe that's because I'm pedantic, but I remember once my grandma said she was buying me the official World Cup ball. It was a knockoff from QuickSave. <laughs> it just said World Cup on it. It wasn't the same. I wasn't going to play of that school. So, you know, you've got all those price costs just to get the membership. You've got, if the kids want the kit as well, and, you know, parents want the best for their children, I know you might say, well, they're not having it. Tough luck, which is understandable. It's a choice. But if the kids, you know, maybe got their way, you'd want to get them the kits as well. And then you've got to go and actually buy the match tickets, which are quite expensive anyway. It is costing you so much money to take a family of four to, to a Wrexham game, particularly if you've not already got season tickets. And it'd be very difficult to get them anyway. Once again, I know. Can it's I just jump in here? Because what I want to say is, yeah. I just want to rattle off a few more things. We've got a stadium sponsor in Stoke Cold Brew. We've got shirt sleeves, sponsorship, HP for the men's team and the I think men's and women's team. And then think of the training gear is Four Walls Whiskey. That's a sleeve sponsor as well for the training kit. Yeah, you've got your Disney dollars you've got, coming in. Was that half a million per episode? Well, was I it? mean, that's speculative, isn't it? We don't know exactly what, what that kind of figure is, but it's not nothing. Back of the shirt sponsor is what? Vistaprint. Um, and they've just had their big tie-up with um, the merch on merch segment that Rob and Ryan have done. Um, you've got your main sponsor, United Airlines, one of the biggest companies in the world. You've got the stand, Stoke sponsor the stand as well. I don't know whether that's just part of the stadium deal generally or, or they've got a specific deal for that as well. You've got a tech partner, obviously, with HP. Cybersecurity partner, Ryan did that, obviously, skit in the in the dressing room. Um, One password, is it called? TV deal, you've got that since coming up. That was, what, two million or whatever that was. It was said in the, in the documentary at the time. And, and Fleur was talking about, what was it, 20 million turnover at some event she was at, the highest turnover we've ever had. So, you know, should it not be more affordable than ever to follow Wrexham? I'd, I get how it works, exactly what you're saying. We both cover Premier League clubs. It costs a lot. It, you ask any of those. I remember watching Swansea when they played Bolton and I was chatting to some Swansea fans at the time and they said the club's unrecognisable, not in a good way since they, since they got all the way to the Premier League. Like players don't stop anymore for the fans and all these things. They all wear headphones and they've all got Balenciagas and they've all got Louis Vuitton bags and um, they're all on stupid salaries. And that would be us when we're in the Premier no, League. No, that would just be me and you. Rob Ryan mute replies. Mute, yeah, exactly. Re- mute, mute, pre- mute replies on all our Twitter With our Balenciagas and our Louis Vuitton bags. That's just us now, mate. In League 2, never mind Premier League. Um, so, you know, you've got all these sponsorships. I, I get, look, what we're going to get back on this i can see it now rich i can see the replies it's not a charity it's a business and businesses need to make money totally get that but look the the reason the documentary is so successful we've just been talking about it there at great length is because of the community that's what people want if anything people want less football the people i speak to say i like the human interest stories i like hearing about the community so if you're going to make a documentary that's so successful about the community you've got to make sure that that they stick around and they're able to keep going and they're you know what I mean? Stagnated wages and, um, you know, industry. They're trying to regenerate Rex, and I get that. But you've got to make sure that the p- very people that are making the dock a success are able to still be there when you make season 10 or season 11 or whatever it is. Exactly, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, fundamentally, and again, in football, this is maybe more more of a sentiment rather than anything that's ever carried out. But just because something's a good business decision doesn't mean it's a good decision to make. You know, some things have to be bigger than that. And 
like you said, you've got to look back at community. And th- th- there comes a stage as well where you look at sort of Premier League teams, etc. It's like, yes, putting season ticket prices up might get you X amount through the doors, but that's pennies and that's, you know, that is peanuts to just the higher, higher the leagues go. So why don't you take the German model where you just make it affordable and make sure that every single match is sold out and you make sure that you've got the fans there? Because again, we've said this season, the quirk is Wrexham have so much demand, but just in general with football, so many of our late comeback wins have been when we're attacking that tech end with the fans behind us and having that Wrexham roar again, you know, to use Adam Summerton's quote from when Mendy scored against Notts County. And I know there's so much demand of Wrexham don't apply to us that much, but surely it makes more sense just to have a full stadium and to ha- to make sure that those who've been going for generations, like you said, that are that are portrayed in the documentary can continue to to do so. And my biggest concern with all this, like I said, it's not the £156 hoodie. Yes, maybe I'm crying because I'm not going to be getting one from Santa this Christmas myself. But the whole point for me is we're seeing these tiny changes every month at Wrexham. When does it get to the stage where you take a step back and realise how much more it costs now and that it is unaffordable for a lot of people? Because right now there is so much demand for season tickets that they could double or triple the cost of them and they'd still sell out. I, I think people would just be like, I don't want to miss out on this. But there'll come a, pr- a point where it just isn't accessible anymore for a lot of people. And we might already be close to that point. And I know you might say, well, sod them, other fans will come in and take their place. No, it can't just all be about money, money, money. I know we get a lot of crap about how loaded we are and we sing that we're fucking rich. Well, the support, well, the owners might be rich, but lots of the supporters aren't. And you can't just keep milking them because they're the reason the club is still alive. They're the reason you've got your documentary. And if you start neglecting them, then the whole fairy tale charade will will fall apart. Rich, then the world, the universal exclusive, um, nowhere else in the Milky Way has got this clip. I'm led to believe. Um, so before we get into your Accrington preview, you spoke to an Accrington fan. We've got a exclusive clip from Paul Mullins' audiobook. So you will hear very, very shortly. You'll hear the voice of Paul Mullin, and that is out very soon. And what I do want to say is his book is coming out on the 23rd of November. We will be doing a giveaway of that book, the physical book. Now we will be doing a giveaway of um, over on Twitter, over on X on the day of release. So we'll give that a nudge as well next week, Rich. One of us will remind each other, I'm sure. We'll do a giveaway on the 23rd. So do follow us over on Twitter. You know, keep your eyes peeled, turn on notifications, whatever you need to do. We will be doing a giveaway of the book. But to get you in the mood, I've been liaising with the people the very nice people at penguin house who are producing uh, or publishing the book i should say and here is an audio extract from my wrexham story by paul moin um which is available to pre-order so you can pre-order now the hardback book if you want it the ebook and the audio which is read by paul moin himself so he hasn't gone and got in an actor rich he hasn't gone and got in a voice actor he hasn't roped ryan reynolds into to voice his story for him it is explicitly from Paul Mullin. And I picked out this segment because I think it was very fitting that we play this part out because it is Mullin talking about promotion and the pressure he felt to deliver it and why he felt that Wrexham really deserved it and and he felt responsible to be the man to bring it. So I'm going to hand you over to none other than Super Paul Mullin. So for the next few minutes, 
enjoy what he has to say. And as always, yeah, go and pre-order the book. All the links and everything are in the description. But here is Super Paul Mullen. Making sure we got promoted became an obsession to me. I've built relationships with so many people at Wrexham, not just at the club, but with the fans and the town itself. I've felt the anguish and sensed the frustration, the nervousness, tension in the stadium. All I wanted to do was make that disappear. Watching the documentary and seeing what normal, everyday people had gone through to save the club, how much they cared, only heightened that sense of responsibility. I have to make this happen. In my mind, it was on me to get us promoted. I arrived with a reputation, and because I'd taken a leap down a league instead of a jump up, I felt I had the hopes of everybody pinned on me from the day I signed. Obviously, everyone in the team had their job to do, and I bet I wasn't the only player feeling that way. But I'm a player who tries to put the weight of responsibility on myself. If something's not going right, it's up to me to solve it. I don't mean that in a big-headed way, or thinking that I'm better than other people, or a great footballer, that's just me as a person. I am the centre-forward, so I am the one who needs to score the goals. I was relieved that we did what I thought we could do, but it was a long and winding road. Before we signed off at the end of 2022-23, we'd taken in more than a few weird and wonderful stopping points. Last-minute goals, bust-ups in the tunnel, and perhaps most bizarrely of all, a Las Vegas blowout. And in the background at all times, a film crew. But the media never brought any pressure or pushed the need to fulfil the arc of the Welcome to Wrexham story and get promoted. That all came from within. After failure in the first season, no one was saying, well, we can't have that ending again. At least not out loud. I am sure it isn't going to hurt the show for the end of the second season to have that massive injection of happiness, achievement and emotion compared to the disappointment of the first. But the two things, football and documentary, have always been completely separate. We are footballers, not reality stars. You can't script a show where so much can change with the kick of a ball. And yet for me, there is something that runs through Welcome to Wrexham like the letters in a stick of Blackpool rock. Something I've come to know a lot about, resilience. Wrexham succeeded in the end because no way was anyone connected with the club ever going to give up. And that mirrors my life exactly. In this book, you will hear there have been several low points where I could have walked away from football entirely. Let the game I love destroy me. Instead, I've become a part of something truly special. With Albie, meanwhile, I'll never stop battling to give him the best life he could possibly have. That's a day-to-day job which throws up constant challenges, and in return he makes me the happiest dad on the planet. If someone had said to me ten years ago that this would be my life now, this wonderful mix of football and family, I'd have said they were mad. But it's true. It's precisely what's happened. There's no other way to say it. This is my Wrexham story. So there you go, Rich. Super Paul Mullins' book, World Universal Exclusive, whatever you want to call it. That's going to be great. Um, a copy is on its way to you, and a copy will be on its way to uh, a lucky follower, a lucky listener very, very soon. It's, I mean, you know what? Hats off to him. I think he's, people all accuse him of cashing in on it, but he's always wanted to write a book, he said, and 
if anything, now he's just got a platform to spread awareness on your space and uh, all the charity work he's doing and just tell the struggles of being a lower league footballer, which for a lot of players that, you know, that we've had in yesteryear, Rich, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. And it's, I know different circumstance now, but for a lot of lower league footballers, it's not just you retire at 35 and, and that's it. You're made for life. And yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of cynicism towards Pummel and he will deal with it just fine. You know, uh, I'm just interested to see what he'll do when obviously he's top goal scorer in the Premier League for Wrexham and in, and in Deadpool 3 as well. You wonder if he'll have to revisit it and release another book or does he do a second edition? Who knows with, with all that re- revision in it. So yeah, really interested to read that one. Sounds like a great listen. And like I said, I'm sure lots of Wrexham fans will be putting that on their uh, on their Christmas list this this year as well. Definitely. And look, he's back, Rich, for, for Accrington, which leads us very nicely. He's back into the fold. He'll be straight back into the team. Um, but one thing we get so much, so many messages about, Rich, is we love the opposition previews. We love hearing about opposition teams from opposition fans. So you've been the man tasked this week with speaking to an Accrington fan. So how did that go? Yeah, it was good. I uh, caught up with Gary. You know, great great northern name um yeah he uh he he does a lot of the accurate podcasts and he just gives a lot of sort of insight he's been onto a lot of other podcasts in the league sort of giving the accurate perspective so yeah here's what he had to say ahead of our trip to the warm stadium this weekend the expectations for accrington what's happening with their ownership scenario and maybe the players for Wrexham to watch out for as well Alright then. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. The <laughs> ironic thing is that when I grew up in North Wales, my yeah. next door neighbour was an Accrington Stanley season ticket holder. So wherever I've gone, we've done like the reverse. So yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> it should be a good uh, good game. It'd be nice to have a, a full uh, full stadium anyway. Well, at least yeah. from the away away point of view. I don't know whether yeah. we uh, we always seem to fall short with the. Um, a home support. There's um, we, we, there's usually tickets left for some mm. reason. So I think the um, it's one of those. It's the 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 excitement and the novelty is as uh, as worn off. You don't get the uh, the people who would um, like the floating fans don't seem to be as interested yeah. anymore. But I think the hardcore support is slowly building. So it's probably better that way than uh, having a lot of. Um, Sort of fans that I don't know. You can't rely on coming when mm. you know you, you're playing uh, probably on a Tuesday yeah. night or something. Yeah, it's going to be very, very different. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you said there, like, if there's going to be a ticket to get some of those fair weather fans into the ground, maybe it would be the visit of of Wrexham this weekend. I mean, but Accrington, by their own regard, having a, a good season. What was the ambition for Stanley heading into this campaign? I think most people were very wary of um, being too optimistic. Um, I think um, a lot of people or a lot of fans would be happy with uh, mid-table, maybe pushing for the playoffs um, on and off, keep the season interesting, absolutely stay away from relegation. I think that was that was number one priority. When, you, when you're a club the size of Accrington, um, and there's other clubs in this league like Harrogate, uh, Crawley, who we've mentioned. 
Um, you know, they're, they're, they're on a knife edge, really, because uh, of the budget. So to, um, to avoid relegation, get to 50, 52 points, whatever it is, and then um, anything else is a bonus. And it, and it seems quite sort of sad to say that when you've come down from League One, you should be thinking, oh, we can bounce back up. And I think secretly we all wish that and hope that. And and it is possible. I think that that squad and that first 11 can do it. Maybe not in the uh, glorious fashion we've done in the past where we've won the the, the whole thing, you know, won the cha- the, the become champions. But... Um, Playoffs, yeah, I think um, that'd be that'd be great. We've we've never been to Wembley, so uh, if we went to Wembley uh, via the playoffs, or our other hope is the um, what is it now, the Bristol Street Motors yeah. Trophy. We still call it Papa John's anyway. So <laughs> Papa John's, I've been yeah. calling it Johnston Paints and all sorts. So <laughs> LDB Vans it, when think, we won it last. I think it was the Simod Cup once or something, yeah. wasn't it? It was that for the top two divisions. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I think. Um, you, 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 survival is always because I think if these days, if you go into um, you know the conference as we used to know it, what is it now? The, the nation, national the conference, the yeah. <laughs> um, that is such a tough league. I think there's some far better teams in that league than there are in League Two. They've got the finance, they've got the support. Um, and and you've two you've only two opportunities to get out. You either go up as champions or you you have the horrific playoff um, <laughs> debacle, really, which is is just uh, too much for people's nerves. So I think I think we would always struggle to get get back up uh, once we dropped out of the league, just just because of interest, crowds, things like that. But maybe I'm doing the league a disservice. I mean, there are some big teams there, so I think I certainly think league. Two and and the conference are um, on a par with one another in terms of quality and the strength of sides in there. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd dread to think what had happened. So we're we're happy for survival first. Mid table wouldn't be a disappointment, and you know if we can push for the playoffs, if we could sneak back up, then that'd be superb. But um, it wouldn't be a um, a big disappointment just to finish, you know, 12, 13, 14th and, and be safe. I think we'd all be happy with that. You mentioned there that, you know, there's maybe not a gulf in quality that much between non-league and league two. Um, obviously been evidence with the, the table to a degree this season, although not counting Wrexham are certainly exceptions to, to that rule anyway. What, what, who are the players then we should we should look out for this weekend? Who are Accrington's best threat? And, and what type of football do you actually play? Um. We we can be a bit mediocre. Uh, it's a young side and it's inexperienced, so they do fall into traps set for them by other sides. Um, you know, if a long ball game starts, we we, we fall right into that heading games. Um, but generally, the John and Jimmy have always set sides up to play football on the floor with a great pitch, which I think actually is a disadvantage to us sometimes because. When real football insides come along with, you know, a better quality than us, they, they actually can rip us to pieces because the pitch allows them to. Um, but yeah, um, all things being equal, get the ball down, play nice football, um, play out from the back. The, the players uh, you need to be looking out for. I mean, Joel Pritchard hopefully will be playing. Uh, he got injured, um, I think, in a bit of a hamstring pull last night after about 30 minutes and we, we were massively on top 
before then and as soon as he went off we we just uh we we'd lost any invention any any creativity um i wasn't at the game i was i was listening to it on the radio i got home from uh, from work late but uh, joe has made a big difference since he came back from his his um, his injury um sort of earlier uh, last season and uh, he was just about getting fit as the pre-season started in the first few games so he's a massive player for us if he's missing uh you 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 know that'll be a, a big boost for for Wrexham um Seamus Keneally the captain again he's just coming back from injury um such a good footballing brain on that guy. Uh, he's straightforward. There's the you know doesn't try anything fancy. Picks the simple passes. Great in the tackle. Uh, commands midfield really well. Um, chips in with a goal once every three years as well. Well, he scored uh, two weeks ago, so you don't have to worry about that this time <laughs> anyway. But um, but yeah, a great leader. He's, he's the footballing brains on the pitch, especially with it being such a young and experienced side. He's vital uh, to to having some sort of command on the pitch. Um, and in terms of um, with with the likes of Jack Nolan, um, Rosero Longello, um, both sort of I think um, at heart wingers. Um, Rosero plays sort of more of a, a wing back role at the moment, but very tricky player. Got good feet, um, but but actually a good defender as well. Um, and Nolan, uh, Jack Nolan, um, he's been sort of just on the, the the fringes of the first team for a couple of seasons, and he seems to be staking a claim now. Um, he's he's very creative. Another tricky player. Um, he can chip in with goals um, and assists. So, so I think with those sort of four players there, um, and I think Rosero went off injured last night. Um, Seamus managed ninety minutes out of the hundred and twenty. Of course, we went into extra time, so that was a good good to see. He did get substituted uh, in extra time, um, but yeah, it was good for him to get ninety minutes under his belt. Um, and then another player we've got is Tommy Lee, who is um, again another excellent sort of attacking midfielder, tall, can win headers, um, good good uh, ability for shooting, chips in with goals as well and assists. So you know we we've, we've this is what we mean when we we sort of say. Um, Yes, we want survival in the league, but we have these players who really can challenge, you know, help us challenge for uh, for better things in, in the season as well. Our, our biggest problem is, I think, uh, not problem, but we're disadvantaged slightly because of the inexperience of the majority of the squad. Uh, quite a lot of them are under 23. Um, and the um, it's just that consistency, choice, choice of pass, choice of shot, that that sort of thing that comes with experience. They're still learning the game, so um, I think the Wrexham squad has been together for for a, a, a good while now, and that experience might tell. I think they're a good, strong, robust side. Um, and you might just have the edge on us um, in in terms of just being perhaps a a bit better organised on the pitch, potentially, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Talking about organisation on the pitch, away from it, Atkinson obviously making headlines in recent weeks with a 
Andy Holt's comments on social media saying he's put the club up for sale in that social right, media rant. That. Um, <laughs> what is what's yeah, the mood around Accrington? Um, um, I mean, I think what, I, I mean because obviously Andy well, Holt's always been he's always come across as certainly in recent years as someone who's you know very vocal, very open, and transparent on social media. Yeah, you know that, which fans respect because you know it's yeah. no nonsense. But right now, maybe is it a bit too much honesty, or the fans still respect that of, of what he's done to the club? Yeah, I think Andy he's he's built his own legacy, and I, I don't think he, he he will you know walk away from the club in in any kind of disgrace or anything like that. He'll be loved by the the fans forever for what he's done. Um, in the same way, John and Jimmy, but this is this is the problem. It's like I don't know. I likened it to the the Beatles when they split up, or um, I don't know. There's so many, you know, Elton John and uh, and, and his songwriter and, and all this kind of thing. It, you've got, you know, two, three people who've come together to create great things. Um, and you always, and they, they seem to be great mates as well. I think, I think they enjoyed each other's company. Uh, they understood and respected each other's roles within the club. Um, and, and it, and it would look like a great partnership. Um, but um, but but yeah, I mean, things were said perhaps out in the open that have um, I, 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 I don't know. It, it's um, it, it's it's probably all stuff that should have been said in an office or or over a beer, um, you know, with nobody else there. Um, and it, it, it's it's become something that's perhaps a bit difficult to retrieve. I think in terms of how the fans see it, I think a lot of people are just. Um, I think we're hoping it will just blow over and it'll all all sort itself out. We we hope the team do well on the pitch, and we hope Andy and and John and Jimmy just get together and um, shake hands. But it, it probably has gone too far for that because it went so public. Um, but but the, the you know the the strong characters, Andy, self made millionaire, you know, grew up on a. Deprived council estate in um, in Burnley, with you know had nothing, and he's he's created this business um, that's that's you know fantastic employer uh, in 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 the uh, local area. Um, you can't argue with his his methods. You know when somebody's that successful, you have to just sort of uh, take your hat off to them and say you know like your way is obviously a way that works. He's good integrity. He, like I say, he's transparent. Um, it, you couldn't have asked for more, really. And then you've got John and Jimmy, who, again, uh, without them, the club wouldn't be where it is now. Great managers, understand the game so well. Um, they're not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but, you know, that, that again goes with the territory. When you've got such good self-belief, um, and you and you've such you know you you you've such good knowledge of things. Um, it can put people off. Um, maybe it intimidates them. I don't know. But you know, the in general, both um, you know both parties are, are loved by the, by the the fans and the club. And I don't know. We just just hope um, hope it, it it sorts itself out. We've had a few away games since uh, since it all blew up. So. It's been hard to judge what the the general feeling is, but I, th I think people were just like still in shock um, the first game after it, it happened. Um, 
And I think people understand both sides. You know, um, Jimmy uh, was was sort of, I think, hoping for more security in his role, which is, um, you know, we all want that in, in life and, and in work. Um, Andy wanted, you know, those sort of conversations to take place uh, quietly and privately um, and then obviously didn't see any reason, well, why couldn't he do the same and, and I'd say his piece uh, out in the open as well. And it's... Um, it's it, it's just such a shame. Um, I think that's that's what most people think. It's an absolute shame that it, it came to this. We just hope they can sort the the differences out. But uh, time time will tell. Um, you know, all all things come to an end. Um, the baton has to be passed on at some point. So um, I don't think that's imminent by any. You know, both both sides real realize the value of. Of the you know the 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 situation they're in, um, and we'll just strive to do the best within you know the the, the limitations they've set themselves. So um, it, it's a case, I suppose. Now, of Andy has said he wants to sell the club, um, but he has always said as well he would he, he want when his time has come, um, he would want to hand the club on to a similar like-minded person. Who had the you know a sustainable outlook for the football club wasn't going to take it to places it shouldn't go just by throwing a lot of money at it and then walking away at the end of it. That's always a massive danger. Um, you know, Bolton and Wigan locally have seen seen what can happen there. So um, it might take some time for the for any kind of sale or any buyer to come through. Anyway, so we could be in this situation of. Um, at least I hope they tolerate each other for the duration of it, and there's no no further problems. But it could it could be a while before we see any any sort of changes anyway. So it's um, it's a strange situation, um, and one people will be watching for a while. I think. Yeah, one to keep an eye on. I suppose the final question for then heading into this weekend: the visit of Wrexham. You've just been like I said, knocked out of the FA Cup. That went to extra yep. time, so players could be a little tired. But do you see it as a free hit this weekend, a chance to you know prove why Accrington are still one of the better teams in the league on their day? Yeah, I think um, the fans will. I, I know John and John will be like, well, you know, why shouldn't we be thinking we can, we 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 can't beat Rex and we we should be able to beat and we want to compete with these sides. Yes, the budget is bigger. The squad might be bigger. Um, there's more strength in depth, but on our day, we're one of the best sides, and I think that's the beauty of League Two, and to some extent, parts of League One. You've probably got two or three clubs in there that have got quite nice, healthy budgets, uh, and who are quite safe, and then everybody else is sort of like scrapping around, really. So. They can anyone can beat anyone on the day. Anyone can raise the game for a game against the big boys. I mean, we got beat three one by Notts County earlier on in the season at their place, and it was actually the best we'd played all season up to that point, and probably one of the better games up until very recently, where we've been a bit more attack uh, attack minded. I think so. It just goes to show that you know if if you raise your game, potentially get a bit of luck. We're taking lots more shots now than we have done probably. We've probably had more shots in, in some of the games than we did for the previous uh, nine months of the year. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I think it's a case of just get out there, believe in yourselves, um, have have as many shots as possible, you know, just just get them in there, follow up on uh, on shots as well, wait for the rebound. And um, uh, we, we, you know, we can we can give Wrexham a game, definitely. They'll know they've, they've, they've been in a game. And sometimes on days like this, you know, it comes off and you have an absolute blinder. Uh, we did it to Bolton the first time they came into uh, League One and, and we were in League One and uh, they went 1-0 one, one nil up. We thought, oh my God, we're going to get hammered and we ended up beating them 7-1. So we, <laughs> you know, we are, <laughs> the side was perhaps a little bit better and a little more experienced than the one we've got now, but John Coleman's sides can do that on the day. So A 1-0 yeah, yeah, lead yeah, not it's... enough then this weekend for us. We've got to be cautious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um well I always say if if we get if we score four goals, um we might be uh, guaranteed a draw. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's, we, that's often been Rexham's motto this season. I know we've exactly. we've tightened up at the back lately and a conquest yeah. and brilliant goal, but it could be a bit of a basketball match, couldn't it? But saying that, we've probably jinxed it yeah. for a nil-nil right now, haven't we? Uh, we'll yeah, say this yeah. weekend. <laughs> So Nath Wrexham will be favourites this weekend. There's no surprise about that. But Atkinson will believe, you know, he mentioned there that they beat Bolton 7-1, who underestimated them. Of course, Bolton took a 1-0 lead when they met in, in League One as well. So, yeah, how many goals do we need to score? But both teams who certainly in the early stages of the campaign were scoring for fun, weren't they? And I just don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect, really. I, I, I am backing Wrexham to, to get a win, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. No, well, the beauty is that if it doesn't go well, you're only a bus ride away. So you'll be home uh, to drown your sorrows very, very quickly. I think Wrexham will win. I, I'm i going to go with a 3-1 Wrexham win. And we've looked good and, and, and Aconquo has looked brilliant recently. We spoke about whether we can keep him and we're no, not so sure we can. Um, but I, I think Accrington have got enough about them. They're up there in the top half. They've scored a lot of goals. But really, I think we've got enough quality. Mullin coming back in, McLean coming back into the to the mix. Elliot Lee, can he avoid his his big game now? Is can he avoid a yellow card for the next two games, and then the ban will reset and he won't pick up a ban. Um, so he's got to get through the next two. I think Accrington and Morecambe. And um, yeah, I I think we'll go there and put on a display, and it'd be really interesting. There was a big row over the ticket prices. I think it was the most expensive away ticket for Wrexham compared to other teams. So let's see. There'll be a nice chip on the shoulder for us in the away end. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I just hope it doesn't rain, which in the north seems like a daily occurrence. Yeah, you, you, mate, you lived up here. You, you I, know, I know that you're just jinxing but it like that. Wear your, big, wear your big coat, get a £156 hoodie on, and you'll be just <laughs> fine. Don't worry in that away end. But yeah, we will see what happens at the Wham Stadium this weekend. And of course, we will be back next week to preview that home game with Morecambe as well. So keep your eyes peeled for this Paul Mullen giveaway that Naif uh, mentioned there. Stick with us on Rob Brown Red across all the social platforms. Once again, robbrownred at gmail.com, the best way to get involved. And we will read out some of your emails as well in the coming weeks. Thank you very much for joining us, wherever you are in the world. Take care and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.